everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Copcast Podcast. Uh, tonight, we're going, it's a bit like Groundhog Day, we're going to talk about transfers, but there are none. Uh, <laughs> so I say Groundhog Day in that respect, but we're going to talk through the, the latest rumours from the newspapers. Um, I'll say maybe take a bit of a look at the preseason friendlies, and we're going to have a bit of a look at Chelsea and the state they find themselves in going into the new season. Joining me to discuss all of that, uh, as always in Belfast, Dave Dunning. How are you, Dave? All well? Yes, all's grand, Dave. Thanks. How's yourself? Ah, hanging together. You know, middle of winter, lots of rain, shit happens. But uh, not complaining, still warm. Well, I'm here, middle of summer, lots of rain, so, you know. A bit of a difference in location, though. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, over to Berlin. Uh, hopefully you're getting a bit of sun, Neil, Neil Patterson. How are you? I get on. Today was actually the first sunny day in the last week, so not complaining at all. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to getting into this, and uh, unfortunately not much Liverpool action to talk about, but sure. Well, we'll start with you anyway. Um, and I think, you know, honestly, everything seems to point at this moment in time towards the possibility even of Coutinho returning uh, to Liverpool. And I think it's divided us. And, and, you know, the fan base have been so united recently, and this is something that it still runs deep with with some of us. I, I I don't know. I'm, I'm split on it personally. You know, I can see maybe the guy coming back and wanting to prove something and, and we get a player out of it and we could end up getting them cheap if the price was right and so on. But there's the other side of it as well. Like, you know, the disrespect that he did show to the club and in, in, in the way he made his exit. And and it left a, it left a sour taste. And I, I can really see both sides of the camp on it, Neil. Um, where are you yourself on it? You know, it wouldn't be the first time that we'd lost a player to... A more glamorous, or supposedly more glamorous, foreign side, only to have them return the next season and, and go on to do good things for us. Um, so I mean, I wouldn't be against it at all. I'm not. I wouldn't really be against it on principle. You know, not bearing any grudges. Um, I don't. I don't really know if, if there is much likelihood of it happening, or whether we've just kind of allowed ourselves as a fan base sort of get carried away in what is a, a great story for the papers um, and for everybody involved, the agents to kind of whip up more interest and you know everybody knows it or it seems to be common knowledge that Coutinho will be on the move this summer or is on the move this summer and obviously linking him with a move back to Liverpool is something that would naturally or could naturally happen given that if he were to come back to the Premier League or look to come back to the Premier League, the only other club that he would really want to go to or or is it at anywhere near the level of Liverpool is, is City, of course. And they're not really in the market for him, it, it wouldn't seem, thankfully, because he'd probably do quite well there. I don't think he wants to go back to, to, to any other Premier League club out of respect, I think the agent said, Neil, as well. Well, that, that you know, potentially that's true, but he certainly doesn't want to go to United. I mean, what, the, what, all you know, respect and respect and whatever, but uh, he doesn't want to be joining that sort of um, particular ship, which looks fairly leaky at this point. Um, well, unless he had a frontal lobotomy at uh, Bobby Firmino's party the other night, maybe, maybe well, then he could go. He, exactly, and that all looked very cosy, of course, and a lot's been made of that on social media. But obviously, they're great friends anyway, and you know the the see each other with Brazil regularly and they've just been the Copa America and they've just won the Copa America and whatever. So, you know, you don't have to, you, you can read into that as much as you, as you like, really. But yeah, you're, you know, as regards to your question, as I said, I, I wouldn't be against it. What would be interesting would be um, uh, whether it would be seen as a, as a big move, like a, a, a you know, a record signing, as uh, we uh, Dave Dunham mentioned off air there. Or whether you could sort of pass it off quite quietly, pretty much as you know something that's it's gone one way, it's gone the other way. Some money changed hands at some point, but in the end, the players has been swapped essentially after a couple of years or after a season and a half or whatever it is. Uh, talk about a two-year loan and and stuff like that. You know, you never know. There are different ways deals can be done these days, and you know, that's something that has been uh, used for a few. High-profile players, James Rodriguez springs to mind, but there are others out there as well. So, yeah, you know, it's something to talk about. It's interesting. Uh, we we do. It would be nice to have a fourth wheel 
Coutinho has shown a you know definitely a fourth wheel for the for the front three, and you know there's still debate as to whether he could could also play in the midfield three. Um, if you're playing four two three one as well, he could definitely play in the three behind the one. So, um, you know, it's another option. He's obviously a top quality player, and obviously everybody in the squad there that we have at the moment knows him. So, you know, as long as no bridges were really burnt whenever he left, and I don't know if there were, you know, it might be quite an easy fit for him to slip back in. Mm, I, I, my personal opinion is I don't see, you know, the, the, the loan that you mentioned, I'll come to Dave and, and give you a crack on it, but you know, Neil mentions a loan there for two years. I just don't see how that benefits Barcelona at the minute. It takes the wage bill off. But I can't see, I, I think this is a club that's, that's dying to get its hands on some cash in order to enact the Neymar transfer. Um, and I just don't think, I think that they, they need to see some some money back out of Phil. And, and if they come to us, even with a two-year um loan deal with a, with an option to buy um, you know they're still going to fucking own us money by the time that, that loan deal is up yeah I don't think it looks great for Barcelona if they sell them back to us for what would essentially be almost half the price 18 months later um, it would be that old that old analogy that uh, that came from Juventus after after they did the same with Rush that, that Liverpool spent their money better than they did and that would end up being the case with with Barcelona and ourselves and Coutinho. So it wouldn't be great for them PR-wise. Um, look, look what they're doing with Neymar. This is Barcelona, let's not forget. that. That's true. That is true. It's a difficult one. I just, I think, I think, Dave, you're right. I think financially they're in dire need of a cash injection. Um, they've had did you read, Dave, did you read that, um, just as an interesting point, that... Basically, the most that they could borrow was forty million euro. <laughs> That's Barcelona. Their, yeah. their wages, their wages were late. Um, you know, last month to, to their to their um, their staff. Like this is like Brazilian football. You know, where, where players don't get paid and whatnot. It's like Barcelona. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, exactly. You know, they're they're not, they're. I don't, I don't know what's happened with them. They've, they've they've become so far removed from what Guardiola instilled there. Because this is the Barcelona from... It's the Messi package, though, Dave, I think. It's, it's keeping Lionel Messi and keeping his wages that are, that are completely screwing them over, I think. Well, yeah, and well, I think you know you can keep Messi and keep his wages without going out and spending, you know, £162 million or whatever it was on a player who they wanted to play midfield. But literally at the age of 25, there was still a debate whether this guy who you're going to spend £150 million on could play midfield or not. And... It's pretty evident now, he's 27, it's pretty evident now that he can't play midfield. Valverde said he can't, wasn't able to do it in the, in the clock midfield. And yeah, people will argue that he did it with Rodgers in that diamond, but at the same time... More a number 10, Dave, it was, it was number 10, really. <laughs> it was, and, and he offered no real defensive solidity that is what is a staple in, in in Klopp's side now where he has signed big, strong, quick, physical, technical players to go and fill those fill those midfield spots. Fabinho, you know, he loves Henderson in there for just that. Wijnaldum, um these these guys, Milner, again another one he will go back to and back to and back to because he can do that job. You know, Emery Chan was another one that he, he relied on time and time again. That's that's to me is a quintessential a quintessential club midfielder. And Coutinho just does not fit that bill. So if you're gonna bring him back, I just don't see where from FSG's standpoint. It makes any logical sense. You're going to spend. You're going to, as Chief says, you're going to pay a record fee for him, and in two years' time, he's going to be 29. So you could pretty much, you know, zero resale value there. He's moving in. He's moving towards 30. Damaged goods at Barcelona. Maybe he can't do it outside England. That might be a reputation that comes with that as well. Um, the salaries, what 10 million a year out there? He's not going to get that at Liverpool. He might get it at PSG. Well, it wasn't um, he one that took a drop, Dave, whenever he went? So I, I would imagine, like, you know, I, I'm assuming, and, and my sort of version of it is the loan deal, if it if, if it comes to fruition, will it'll be this two-year loan deal. 
Um, as, I, as I've said, I don't believe it suits Barcelona's best interests, but it might, it might in the long term, if he came back to Liverpool and started playing and proved himself, then make him saleable elsewhere. I just, I just don't know. Maybe, maybe for two years though, it makes no sense because, as I said, twenty nine. What are Barca? What what? What t- sort of a financial asset of Barcelona got it? A 29-year-old who's been on loan for two years? That that doesn't make sense to me for them either. The way um, the football, footballers' prices are inflating at the minute, Dave, it might not be... You know, like, you, you look at look at what just one transfer window with Neymar did to, to, to worldwide transfer. It, it bollocks the whole system. So, you know, well, not, yeah, who's, to, who's, to, who's to say Mbappe's move doesn't do the same? And that's coming up in the next couple of seasons. Well... Yeah, but the thing is, what we're seeing now, Dave, is we've got players like Coutinho, like Dembele, like Gareth Bale, who, like Neymar, who these teams have spent so much money on and invested so much money in, they're unwilling to take less than an unreasonable unreasonable offer. And no club's willing to pay that. And what you also have is a player on such fucking astronomical um, wages that... No club, no other club in the right mind is willing to go and, and pay those wages. Who's going to pay Gareth Bale's wages? There's no way, there is no way, I think, on God's earth, that Real Madrid are going to be able to sell Gareth Bale. And what that's going to do is that is going to scare clubs from making those big investments. Those are going to be cautionary tales. And that is going to, I think, deflate the market. That might not be now. It might be in five years' time, but that that's the type of thing that is going to start warning clubs off paying those amounts of, of transfer fees. So I just, for me, Coutinho, if you look at all the players that FSC have actually gone out and signed, particularly in the club year, he doesn't fit the model. He doesn't have the physicality. He doesn't, he doesn't have the age profile. Um, the cost... And his profile himself, where we're buying players to make them stars, not take on players that have fallen from grace. That's not what we do. We do the opposite of that. So to me, it it just it doesn't really make a lot of sense. I don't know, Dave, what's your opinion on it? As I say, I, I would take him on a two-year loan. Um, and I say, I would, only because his, you know, he took a reduction in wages, so he's going to cost us less than had he stayed. And I think... You know, look, I, there's a player in there that may be world-class in flashes and whatnot. And I don't want to see him play in midfield. But as, as, you know, rotation around in certain games in the league and, and having that you know, that ability, he can play, the, you know, I, I would trust him to play um, Bobby's role if he was out. I would trust him to, you know, trust him on the, on the wing as well. So it gives you, there, there's there's options there he gives you. But as a first team, first well, how, much, how much do you think... How much do you think Barcelona charged for a two-year loan? Because, like, well, could you just take it, take, take, take it off what they owe us? But <laughs> it doesn't, it, it doesn't cost us anything, Dave. Well, that's, the that, that's, that's, that, that's, that's not the way. That's not the way the owners will look at it, though. You know that as well as I do. But if no, you the, buy, uh, right? If you buy him now, just say it is a possibility and it is all feasible, and it's not just paper talk, right? All the reports are essentially, apart from one late one in the Echo, which seems to seems to completely yeah, completely disagree with what I'm about to say. But all the other reports basically said that Barcelona still owe us a large whack of the original transfer fee, or up to ninety three million. I've seen quoted Neil. Yeah, exactly ninety three million, and that the price to get Coutinho now might be something like eighty eight million. So at the end of the day, if you're kind of shaking hands behind closed doors without, you know, without with essentially making five million on the deal and, and getting Coutinho back, if you want him, which he would be a good signing. Of course, it's a lot of money, but if you're not actually ever paying that money out because you're just not getting it for something else, then you don't really view it in the same way, do you? It's not like it's a, it's a big money signing. Obviously, it is, but is it? And, and Barca need cash in hand, I feel, Neil, you know, to, well, to get the Neymar thing done, you know. What you're doing, though, is freeing up £93 million, theoretically, to then be spent on Neymar or whoever they're looking to sign, you know, because that's earmarked to come to us at the moment. Well, it's not going to anymore. So maybe it works like that. Maybe there is that kind of thing going on. 
maybe not. Maybe it, it is just paper talk. Maybe he is destined for PSG, which, ha- which to be honest, seems the most likely and has always seemed the most likely. And that's probably where, where he'll end up. But given the dearth of, of anything else to really talk about as regards Liverpool, it, it makes a good story. And as I said, you know, he, he was very, very good when he played for us. And yeah, he, he played an arsehole trying to get his move. The move of his dreams, the one he always wanted. He's gone there and he's seen, well, his dream turned into a bit of a nightmare and now he wants to come back, if that is the truth. I mean, whether it is or it isn't. But Personally, that's just I, 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 and, and if it is like that, then maybe the shoe's on the other foot and maybe he is, a, you know, you know, now he's just coming back as, as part of the squad, part of a squad that's gone on to win the Champions League without him, part of a squad that's gone out to humiliate his side on the way. You know, so, so he's been humbled a little bit in the process, Neil. Would that be what you're trying to suggest? Well, that, that is what I'm suggesting, but also <laughs> humbled, but also on a, on a personal level, sort of humble a little bit, but not so much that. More to the point that he now has no right to feel that he is the best player in that team or that squad, and no right to feel any kind of burden on him or anything. In in that sense, he's just another very good player that's part of a, of a bigger hole that's achieved more without him than they ever did with him. So, um, yeah, it could work. I'm, I, I, it, look, if, if there's a Barca player to be nabbed and, and the write-off that 93 million, I'd much rather it be Dembele. Uh, 22 years old as opposed to 27 years old. Um, you know, long-term investment, better there. I think, it's, uh, um, you know, if you're FSG, you'd be looking at that. Okay, temperament, questionable, but you put him into a tight dressing room, um, like we have, and, and you might just see the benefits of it, Dave. No, I, he, he he's far closer to the profile of players that we have been signing than than Phil Coutinho is. And would you I be think, happy to sit? Would you be happy to write the ninety three million off to Barcelona and say, just give us ten belly? Where we go, lads? I'd be far happier to do that than it would be to do it for Phil. Yeah, I, I, that's not that's not a debate for me. To be honest, I think. I don't know whether you two agree or not, but as far as Coutinho is concerned, I think Dembele fits fits a hole that we have a potential gap in, which which is left side predominantly and potentially right side as well. Because from what I hear, he is he's not one of these players who is like two footed in the sense of he has one strong foot and he's just dead good with the other one. This guy is genuinely like ambidextrous, he's two-footed. I think he had more, he had a similar amount of goals and assists last I'm year. I'm thinking whip it as well, Dave, we need to remember, and yeah, and loves I, his fast players. Listen, sign me as many boys with as much pace as you can, I'm all in for that. But last last season, I think he scored a similar amount of goals as he had the assists, and he scored more goals with one foot and more assists with the other foot. So, you know, he's a genuine talent. Coutinho... Guys, I my opinion is that, you know, I think Klopp accommodated him because he is so talented. But when he did leave, I think Klopp saw that as an opportunity for him to lean more towards what his ideal team was and for him to take that squad to what in his head was probably naturally the next step in their progress. If you have a player like Coutinho in your squad, you have to play him. But I think we, I think we compensated for him tactically to a degree. And now, with that more physical, certainly, and durable and disciplined sort of player, for me, we look the better team for it. Yeah, but you, you don't have to start him every game, of course not. I mean, you're going to rotate... I mean, the idea is that, or, you know, the plan is to have some ridiculous number of games next season. What is it, 67 games or something or more, potentially? If you go deep in, in all the in all the competitions, given you've got the Club World Championship, Super Cup, fucking uh, both domestic cups, your uh, Champions League, Premier League. So, I mean... You're going to need, I think, I mean, aren't we all agreed that we need an extra one or we would like an extra one in the front four? I mean, I guess we're going to come on to talk about Ray and Brewster. Uh, and obviously, David Garigi signed a new deal, but 
still think everyone expects or wants us certainly and, and hopes and expects it to sign a, another one in the front three. So I'd say if I do, the thing is if I'm gonna go, if I'm gonna go and spend eighty or ninety million pounds, I want it to be on a player who could who could potentially stake a first team first team place against Mane or Salah, as difficult as that that's Sorry. what champions do, Dave. That's what yeah, champions I, do. I don't want to go and I don't want to go and spend that on Coutinho, who I know is absolutely not in any fucking world, no matter what his form's like, gonna be in what Klopp would deem as his ideal eleven for, for example, a Champions League final. Coutinho won't play big games. He won't play United, Chelsea, City. He won't play in those games because he will not give Klopp what he needs without the ball. So what are you saying? But he could be for? a key. He could be a key to the door if the likes of a Leicester or or the likes of a West Ham. Just yeah, but so could, yeah, but so could some other guy who fits us far better and fits fits Klopp far better, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I mean, potentially you're right. I mean, potentially you're right. It, I mean, it, it just it's interesting. Like I say, I mean, to me, it's it's more sounds more like paper talk and, and a narrative that, that just you know fills up the time in this pretty stagnant transfer window at the moment and you know it, it, it it's more it's something that gets us talking something that gets Liverpool fans interested you know it, it sort of splits opinion a little bit I mean I'm not desperate to get him in by any means but I'd rather have him than no one this summer we'll see maybe maybe Dembele is the idea but I certainly I certainly think Liverpool are, are kind of circling to, to wait and see what happens once the big moves start getting made because I can't say, as I said in the last show, I can't see us not adding strength and depth at this point. They're saying, and you can take it, it's paper talk, nothing more, um, that we've made contact in regards to Nicolas Pepe. Again, a player I don't really know that much about, uh, but seems to be exciting a lot of people. um, The link to it, um, you know, suggestions that are waiting until the AFCON finishes before anything can be done there. But, you know, it's another one of those that that doesn't go away. and again, you know, we're talking about maybe the same type of profile as a Dembele, um, but maybe on the way up more so, um, one would imagine would be cheaper to buy. What, what's your feelings on that one? Yeah, well, this is one that's been around since the very, very start of the transfer window, since the moment the window opened. And, you know, we've had some fairly strong links to him, particularly from the French journalists and, the, you know, the, the English-speaking French uh, journalists, uh, you know, on Twitter and so on, especially uh, GFFN, GFFN, I think is the the, the handle, the, get, the site. Get, get that, football that, French news now. <laughs> that's it. That was really, has really been pushing it. And, you know, they seem to to be adamant that, you know, talks have been ongoing, contacts been been ongoing between Liverpool and the agents. Uh, then Liverpool completely and strenuously denied it going overboard and we talked about that the last time which set alarm bells bells ringing for us I'm sure because we uh, you know that kind of thing just doesn't ring true and subsequently it, it, it's been leaked by the or it's come out from the, the league president that we had been in contact with the agent but not formally with the club and now it's come out that we have opened you know been in contact with the club so you know it's slowly coming out that actually it seems Liverpool have you know, being in fairly uh, protracted con- contact with both player, it, with, with player agent and club for for a long time on this transfer, and this is the way Liverpool do their business. In that they, you know, they, they do a lot of background work. They're they're in contact for a long time. They're uh, kind of try and seal the seal every possible uh, aspect of the deal down, and it's only in the very final stages that things start to become a little bit clearer and get get leaked to the to the press and begin to come out. So that would would fit the mould of a recent Liverpool transfer. I know Dave Dunning, you were you've been banging this drum for a while that uh, you think you know we're going to sign him. And you know, to be honest, I've been fairly um, yeah fairly not confident of it, but fairly it's been one as I said that hasn't gone away. So it's not something that would surprise me if we were over him. If you look at his numbers from last season, if you look at where he plays. Dave mentioned a moment ago, you know, from the right or the left, uh, potentially an area where we've got a gap, a new man, a new Salah. He's, he's very, very quick. Um, he's got good free kicks 
I've seen that at the AFCON. You know, scores penalties, gets wins a lot of penalties, scores a lot of penalties, but uh, is somebody that looks like he might be making the next step. So, sixty-two point three million pounds is the quote. So I guess that's more accurately. From what I'm hearing, though, Neil, it's it's that price tag. If if there's any barrier, that's what it is. And, and Liverpool would like that lower, which kind of makes sense. And and you know, you would imagine that that Edwards would be working away behind the scenes to bring that down. And Lille are very unwilling to, to move on it. So it's a case maybe of romancing the player, if you will, into wanting the move and then working on the fee. Yeah, I mean, potentially. But, you know, at some point, you know, just transfer fees are nuts. And yeah, he's he's only come from the French League. And, you know, he's unproven in inverted commas in the Premier League. But if you look at the likes of somebody like Harry Maguire, he's going to go for 80, 85 million pounds. And he's a centre-back, you know, a very good one. But, Someone's going to sign Lewis Dunk for £45 million, I exactly. heard. So if, you, if you're signing a player who scored 23 goals and got nine assists last season and who's making a big move, 23 years old, you think he's going to be the next big thing? £60 million in today's market is, is what we paid, basically, for Sadio Mane three seasons ago. 36 back then. You know, you're making the move. Yeah, do you remember, Sir Chief, do you remember people's heads fell off when we paid that much for money? Yeah, absolutely. It was a record signing at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, just, it was. Just Pip's Benteke, didn't it? it just Pip Carroll. Just Pip Carroll and Benteke, we signed for 30 mil as well or yeah. something. Everybody yeah. thought, what the fuck are they doing? You look at that now, Sadio was one of them. 150 million, you know. Right now, Sadio Mane's worth 150 million. The clubs would pay that for him. Real Madrid. I would say, I say you get more than that. I say you get more than that. You're up into the two hundreds for him. I would say, if, if uh, you know, if you look at if, if Neymar's still worth that at twenty seven. If Senegal well, win, if Senegal win the the Afcon, he could conceivably win um, African Player of the Year this year. He will. If Senegal win the Afcon, he will win African Player of the Year this year because he came second last year. And you know what else is there to judge him on this year? It's got to be Afcon, doesn't it? So he's going to win. Well, it. he's a, he, he joint golden boot for the Premier League as well, exactly. and that's so he's pretty big deal for an African player. Exactly, he's joint with yeah, Salah. Joint with Salah all the way, apart from the Afcon. Apart from the Afcon, so he's got to win it. He's got to win it anyway, whether they whether they win or not. Just yeah, in fight. fact, you're right. You're right. He probably will win it anyway. So there you go. He's the best player in Africa. He's DDA Drogba. He's Yaya Toure, you know. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean, though. No, you know what I mean? He's Didier Drunk, he's Yaya Toure. He is the best player on that continent, and it's not disputed. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. That, that is and that bumps his value up even more, you know. And he's, he's well, right. That's why I say 200 million, Neil, um, as a starter. Euro, well, anyway. You might be right, but the point is, it's worth five times more. You can sign this guy, Pepe, now at 23. I think he's 23 years old. At the very worst, at the very worst, the way the market's going in two years, you sell them. You probably the most you might lose ten million. The most you might sell them for fifty. You probably sell them for more because the market probably looks like it's going to keep going up for the, in the short term. It seems to be seems to be somebody we've been into from the start. It seems to make sense. He's the right profile. He's coming from a you know a lesser league, but he's really started to catch fire. He's um, you know he's. African as well, which is something we've, we've seen a lot from our recent signings. He's uh, posting numbers, the likes of which we're looking for. He's quick. He, he's coming in, uh, you know, he plays in positions that we need cover for. It makes sense to me. See what Chief just said there? Those are all the reasons why, I, why Coutinho makes no sense at all. So maybe Coutinho's just a big fucking smokescreen. Well, I, that would be Everything great. around Coutinho suggests that he's part of the Neymar deal as a swap. And, and honestly, if you look at it, if you look at what he, could do, what, what he can do for Liverpool and then look at what he can do for PSG, I, I think he'd be better off at PSG. I think, I think he, his, he could maybe resurrect a career there. You know, if, if you listen to the, that guy, Julian Laurent, um, he would, he's been banging the drum for quite a while now that Coutinho is the sort of the major make weight of, of this deal and will be uh, if it goes through. And, and for that reason, like I, I don't think he's coming anywhere near us. It makes sense. And for me, being a little bit sadistic and a little bit precious about my club, I would like people to view him as a cautionary tale of, if you leave, that's what could happen. Throw him in the bucket with Fernando Torres and go, if you leave, 
this is what can happen. It's never going to get as good as this. So he only missed two Champions League finals and a winner's medal. So like you know, there, there you go. You know, but I, but I, I know, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't want it. I don't want players to see. You know, if we go and it doesn't work out, so we can come back when the going's still good. I don't, no, I don't yeah, want it's, that. It's a train of thought I can truly, and I, I mean truly, subscribe to in that. Do you know what um, I mean? Do you know what I, I like mean, that. man? Absolutely. But listen, fucking transfers, Groundhog Day, leave them alone. We've had football. Dave, we've ha- actually had a, a couple of games of football, and you're, you're, all your talk about young Brewster seems to have. Uh, I know it's friendly, and I know they mean absolutely nothing. But this kid looks, this kid looks bloody damn good. Like three goals, two games, uh, right place, right time. They're not spectacular goals, but he's finding the positions, he's finishing them well, and uh, I would expect to see him this season. Yeah, and I, I, you know, it's not really my talk. It's just stuff that I've regurgitated from hearing it and from a few clips I've seen of him in England Youth World Cups and under twenty three games and stuff. But you know, it, this this kid is talked about in such high regard, not just at Liverpool but at, at national level as well. They, it, it does sound like it does sound far fetched to say that people were talking about him and Sancho in the same breaths and if everything that we've been led to believe is starting to bear itself out in the pits then happy days I think you will see him get games you know he was supposed to you know he was getting he was getting offers that he was seriously considering in Germany Leipzig or, or Bruce Emerson Gladbach or somebody maybe both of them and supposedly last season start of last season Klopp, prom- Klopp must have promised him something to get him to sign a new deal. And I don't think it's a coincidence that he's been so involved in the social media side of things. He's been on the bench for every game as soon as he's been as soon as he's been fit and available. Um, he's a big part of, of all the Champions League celebrations. And, you know, I think Klopp has made a real effort to make him feel as included as part of that first team squad as possible. And you don't just do, you know, he's not doing that for anybody else. He didn't do that for Ben Woodburn. He didn't even do that for Trent. Didn't go to that extent for Trent. And I understand the injuries, the injury is probably, uh, makes that scenario slightly different, but he's been injured all that time. He could have just left him. Right? He didn't have to go to all that trouble. So for me, I'm really excited to see him play. And I think he'll probably start the first few Premier League games, you know, all, you think so? All, well, all of our front three have have been away in international duty. Manny's still away. Well, Manny you won't know? be back. I don't think of the first games will he even. You, you know, will he? Well, he'll maybe be back, but he certainly wouldn't be ready he, for the first games. He maybe have at most maybe I don't know ten days training under his belt. Maybe I suppose it for depends me, what shape he comes back, Dave. As well. Well, this is it. What are we? We're only we're, we're something. It's, I think this weekend we're three weeks to the first day of the season. Firmino's having a fucking party, you know? So That's nothing unusual there. I, well, I know that, but do you know what I mean? Move Firmino, <laughs> Firmino is literally in Brazil having a piss-up with his mates and it's three weeks to the start of the season. Salah's got knocked out last week. Mane's still away at, at the AFCON. So I, I fully expect Brewster to get serious minutes at the start of the season. And... As you say, well, three goals. starting, Dave, you can actually see him starting the first Premier League game for us. Like, yeah, I, I think wow. I, I honestly think Klopp. I honestly think Klopp has that much faith in him. I do, and we might get more of an indication towards the the latter friendlies as to where he is in the pecking order. But I think Klopp's committed to this kid, and I think he needs to show it to him now. And by all accounts, he's he's capable. Of taking the chance, and like you say, I know it's I know it's preseason friendlies and whatever, but it's three goals in ninety minutes. It's three goals in two halves of football, and if he continues, yeah, but when you rate, step on, you step onto a pitch in the Premier League, Dave, you're it, it goes up, it goes, it, it gets of course it, it does. Gets serious, as they say, and to to you know, I I look, I've no problem with getting game time, but the first game of the season is a starter. That to me is it's it's a real big risk. Well, to me, it's Norwich. I think it's a game. It's a it's a game that makes sense for them. Um, they're they're not exactly a stubborn defensive team. Last season, they were running around. They were running around like a a poor imitation of our thirteen fourteen side. 
winning games fucking 5-3 and losing 4-2 and all kinds of madness. So I think that's a perfect game to start him in, um, especially kick off to kick off the season. But yeah, I do. I, I just I think it make it makes sense. It make it makes sense. And from what I know as well, dude, that's a Friday night game. Yes, yeah, the very first game. Yeah, Friday night, but it's it's at home under the lights, so it might be the perfect game to start him. And it wouldn't be such a stretch. I mean, Origi's definitely starting the game because because Mane's not back. So you'd imagine with his new contract, he's he's higher in the pecking order than than Brewster, but. You know there is every chance that there's there's more than that uh, unavailable or or not quite ready and it just depends how Brewster's preseason continues. But you know I agree with Dave at least to a certain extent that uh, Brewster has been and was talked about in the same breaths as, as Sancho and you know I said last last week on the show that uh, they were in the same breath and what Sancho's gone on to do. You know Brewster wants it wants a piece of that and wants to be given the chance and obviously Klopp's. Um, promised him at least the chance to feel shall we say and he looks really really sharp I mean he looks like he's been waiting for this moment and he's he's, he's grabbing the bull by the horns uh, at this point so long very composed for the age of him as well Neil like the composure of the kid is it's impressive he looks like a, he, he just looks like a goal scorer he looks like he looks like a, a Robbie Fowler he looks like a absolutely born to score goals knows where the goal is knows where to be I mean they're tap-ins in inverted commas, but he's 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 found himself or made himself free, completely free, completely unmarked to be able to tap in uh, or knock in. Uh, uh, there's there's also some very nice interplay in there, Neil, as well. You know, that's very Bobby Firmino esque. Some some of the wee touches, yes, the wee so taps are great. Uh, particularly in the Tramir game, uh, the, the first game he picked out a few good balls, um, linking up with his. With, with his wide men and, and, and taking returns. And there was one where he was unlucky, where uh, I think a, a good tackle comes in and he, he just doesn't get the shot away. But he looks he looks like a finisher. He looks like a goal scorer. And three goals inside the inside the 18-yard box and, and very close to being inside the six-yard box. Just alive, alert, great first touch. He looks like he's a yard or two ahead in his brain as well. So it really looks good. You know, there's been a lot of hype about him, and from the first 90 minutes that I've seen him actually play, you know, it looks it looks really promising. Nobody expected it when when Owen burst onto the scene. Nobody knew he was going to do that. Nobody knew he was going to be so good. And if if somehow Brewster is is anywhere near, has anywhere near a breakthrough season like uh, Owen did, then you know we're in for we're in for a real treat. It's great to see. I think he's definitely going to have a role. He may he may start the first game. He's certainly I think going to come off the bench in the first game. He's going to get a lot of appearances this season, be they starts or from the bench. I'd say he's nailed on the start in every cup game, and you know he's definitely going to be there thereabouts at the beginning of the season. And if and when we have we have any injuries, you know he's first team squad member. We will see where it all where it all goes. But it's pretty exciting, like. Without a doubt, I know it's pre-season, but it's just nice to it's nice to see some football again. Um, you, you know, Dave, uh, I know we've signed a country singer to play in nets for the for this tour. Like, but is, is there anybody else in these games that have impressed you? To be honest, with you, I I kind of like the look of the of the kid at left back, is Delucy or something. That looked decent wee player. I'm not completely convinced. He looks technically quite good, but I. Can imagine. I think didn't Klopp say didn't Klopp say that he, he may dip into the market for left back? That he did actually say that. So I don't I don't know. He's talked about. Oh, by the way, I'm not suggesting that that's our left back cover. By the no, way, I'm just no, saying, no, no. I'm just saying for for you know a preseason game, he kind of caught the eye. I know what you, I get where you're coming from. It's a bit to go with him, but there's something there with him. He looks sharp, energetic, technical, um, quick. He gets up and down the line. I, I, I see where you're coming from. For me, Dave, I'm just not massively. I'm not massively interested in anybody that doesn't stand a chance of making an impact in the first team. And the better we get, less likely that's going to be for your Ryan Kents and your Ben Woodburns and your High Wilsons and, and what players about like your this. Curtis Jones? Because he, he again, he's <laughs> one that's kind of caught the eye a couple of times. D- decent wee player, looks like uh, Jones is decent, but again, I just 
I just don't see him making a stake for 10, you know, 12 when appearances. You look at the peer group, when you look at the peer group of the first team, it is it's a massive step for those kids. Yeah, it's it's huge. And, you know, but again, this, this again highlights how Brewster is thought of, that you're talking Harry Wilson, who was a star in the championship last year, and it's not it's not going to get a look in, you know? He's absolutely not going to get a look in. He'll probably not be at Liverpool in three weeks' time. Yet, we all expect Brewster to start maybe 15 matches next season. So... You said to start? Yeah, to start 15 games. Well, sure. In all competitions, yeah. In all competitions, not 15 games. Oh, in all games. Co- yeah, okay. Yeah. It, it probably Providing start- we don't have cup runs like we had last season, yeah, that's a possibility. Yeah, but you know, you, there's, you could certainly foresee Brewster starting 15 matches this year and maybe coming off the bench in another 10, 12. Easily. Get 25 appearances this year, all in. There's no way that... that uh, there's just no way, I don't think, from what I've seen and from... What I've seen of, of these, some of these kids, even before this year, I just don't think they're they're anywhere near the level that, that we need them to be. And from a from a financial perspective, the academy's still doing its job. If it's producing a Trent and a Brewster and and, and guys like this, then great. And you know, people are talking highly of the, the goalkeeper Grabar, who's went on loan. So if they're producing players, like then that's fine. Duncan and Glatzel and stuff like that, maybe they stand a chance. I don't know. But if you're selling on. You know Brad Smiths and and Kevin Stewart's and Dominic Solanke's and Jordan Ives for all fucking kinds of ridiculous money. Then happy days. So there's no argument to be made there. But as far as anybody else is concerned, Dave, not no, not really. Right. Well, listen. I'll say time marches on, and we'll march. We'll leave the team there because I say you know it's friendly, so we'll not get too overly involved in them. To be honest, we're going to take a look this week. We'll look at United last week. We're going to take a look at Chelsea this week under the guidance of none other than Frank Lampard, which I think is a mistake equal to Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, um, without the garden gnome sort of look. I, I worry for them in some ways. Um, the transfer ban, losing Hazard, um, they may get top four, but I think it's going to be a fight for them. Uh, Neil, I'll come, come to you on this one. Um, you know, number one, maybe the, the thoughts on Lampard, as I say, I'm, I'm surprised. I think, it, I think for me it just shows the level that Abramovich is, is willing to let it slide at the minute, um, that, that, that Lampard is his go-to option now. And, you know, also I think in, in the news today, some US tycoon owner of the LA Dodgers is looking at, uh, he wants a London club looking at Arsenal and Chelsea. Chelsea, obviously the most saleable. I would say Abramovich would, would run there. And that's probably half the problems that they face. It was always going to be a matter of time until the Abramovich bubble burst. I mean, he, was always he was never going to be involved with Chelsea forever, and you know they may have to start to readjust to what's going to be the the post Abramovich era, which could be um, yeah, it could go either way. You know, maybe uh, some rich tycoon comes in and uh, you know reinjects a bit of cash and turns things around a little bit for them. But they're certainly on the way in. There's no doubt about that. They they're not the the juggernaut they were. Um, you know, in the in the in the first decade of the century, and they're quite a long way off it, to be honest. So, you know, perhaps you're right. Might sound a little harsh that it's a symptom of how far Abramovich has let it drop that Lampard's a go-to option. But I do see what you mean. You know, it's a far cry from your uh, from your Scolaris and your Hiddings and your um, you know Jose Mourinho's, Jose Mourinho's. And so on. So, obviously Lampard's on the up. Obviously a, a Chelsea legend. It's it's a bold move for him. Uh, no transfers at all, Neil. As well, you know what? It's, uh, it's, it's a big ask. It's a huge ask in a way. It's a bit of a free one. Well, not a free one, but that's a bit of a get out of jail free card for him a little bit. The fact that he has to work with what he's got there. That there is no possibility of a transfer. You know, perhaps he gets a free season out of that. Suggestions that he gets two free seasons, Neil, which I just, it's not very Abramovich behaviour, that. Well, it just depends on how he does, doesn't it? Because if it goes tits up, for want of a better expression, and they finish seven, then what does he do? Does he give them that free season and, and say, OK, well, I'll, I'll invest with, with your next season, Frank, and you know we'll, we'll, we'll make a push 
to get back into the top four, maybe, you know, to get back to the top, maybe. But Abramovich at this point, as you say, as we've alluded to, is on the way out, it seems. You know, certain political things haven't gone his way or don't look like they're going to go his way. And, you know, it's been quite evident for a while that he hasn't been investing the time or the money in the, in the club that he used to. They're in an interesting position. I, I don't think it's... I mean, I know you're you're very down on Lampard. You think it's a, it's a mistake akin to Solskjaer. I, I don't know. I, I would say that Solskjaer's had his foray into management in England already and, and failed miserably and kind of gone home to Norway to lick his wounds a bit and, and do something safe and sensible and that he's been absolutely plucked from obscure, obscurity and thrust into this position. He's, ma- and he's managed in the Premier League before, and that's that. Well, me, that's more than more experienced that, of the two. That's fair enough. That is fair enough. I just think Lampard's on an upward trajectory, whereas Solskjaer, I think, was, as I say, plucked from, from essential managerial obscurity. I don't think he had any ambitions, to particularly to leave Norway again, uh, at the point that he was he was plucked from there. And uh, you mentioned the Garden Gnome. Uh, so he, he is like a puppet in a way, and, you know, he bears a little resemblance to one for the kids, to an old cartoon or an old uh, puppet called Pob. It was like, like Gollum, yeah. to be honest with you. Pretty much. Yeah, I think he looks like Andy. I think he looks like Andy Circus. <laughs> yeah, there is that. But yeah, I mean, he, he, for me, Lampard's not a not not a puppet at this point. He's going in. He probably he sees it as a great great opportunity. He's on the opposite manager. I like this Derby side. Um, they did punch above their weight though, and their their stats. Suggest that they, you know, they they did better than they should have last season. They they returned more points and finished higher. Into the Champions League, Neil. He's going to be tested in the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, there is that. He is, you know. Imagine, imagine that going. You know, like like, over the last lot of years, Chelsea have sort of a tradition in the Champions League, and I I can see them getting a fucking hiding here and there. It could listen. It could go wrong for them as well. It could go wrong for them as well. Let's, let's be honest. You know, Hazard's gone and he, he's been huge for them for years. He's been their talisman. You know, the, since in, in the post-Drogba era, post-Drogba Lampard and, and those guys, it's been Hazard and he's gone. Um, and that's going to be a massive hold to fill. I think, what, 27 goals or something he contributed to, to for them last season. Uh, and, and that's direct contributions, i.e. goals or assists. So never mind, never mind the ones he was uh, the past before the assist or whatever. There was not much harmony there in general last year, despite the fact that they they did pretty well. You know, they won the Europa League. They didn't do that badly in the league. What they finished fourth today or fifth? Was it fourth? Yeah, they finished fourth. I'm they, sure. They finished third. Oh, they finished they third. Oh, they finished. They overtook. They took. Oh, they did. Tottenham. The, I'm sure. Yeah, sure. Tottenham did their usual. third. May bottle. May bottle of Tottenham. Yeah. Well, why, did Sarri, why did Sarri get so much grief? He finished ahead of Spurs and won the Europa League. Quietly, quietly, Spurs recorded their worst per points total for five years last season. So they did in the in the Premier League, despite you know being in the title race in inverted commas for for a long while. Uh, it's one of them. Chelsea they 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 sneaked into third, um, but Sarri got a lot of grief. He's gone. He's gone to Juve. It's a bit of a mess there. It, it, it does. It looks like a bit of a mess. As we say, there's uncertainty with Abramovich. It's a new manager who's untested at this level. It's a squad where it can't be supplemented. They've got Pulisic coming in. They've got uh, Kovacic making his uh, his loan move permanent, although he didn't do very well last season. So we'll see if he kicks on now, second season. Um, and you've got the likes of Hudson Odoi, who I think they're and, and Loftus Cheek, who they're pinning a lot of their hopes on. So we'll see how it develops for them. It is a big risk. Could they drop out of the top four for me? Yes, they could. You know, as I said, very quite a few unknowns there. So if you have a strong chasing pack in the likes of in the likes of Arsenal, uh, in the likes of uh, Wolves, and the likes of Leicester, and see what United can do. Although we talked about them last week. If you have a strong chasing pack, then then Chelsea could have it all on to finish in the top four. Do you have yourself on this one? As 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 Neil alluded to, they've lost probably their best player in Eden Hazard, and you know that that was a hell of a contribution he puts in season on season for them. 
and there doesn't appear to be anything coming. There can't be anything coming. Uh, to me, the Kovacic deal, I don't think they would have signed him had they had an open window this this summer. That's my, that's my own personal opinion on it. I think that's, yeah, that's a panic fair. buy. And it looks like they're going to have to do the same with an extension for William because, again, it's going to be a panic extension because they can't bring anyone in. Yeah, that's that that's all fair. Um, I don't know. I I think Chelsea, I think Chelsea are for the first time in years this unique position where they can change their entire strategy from this boom and bust type of thing that they've been doing that is boom and bust and it's a constant reset all the time and eventually you run out. Eventually you run out of good managers. You know, eventually it happens. Eventually you don't sign the right players and your squad's a bit lopsided or whatever. And and that seems to be what's happened here. So, you know, Abramovich might be thinking that he can move to what looks like a more long-term, sustainable project under a young manager who's, who's he's allowed to bring his own guys in, it would appear, with like Czech, Drogba, Jody Morris all coming in, getting the band back together starting to bring some of those youth projects through and managing that youth policy like properly, maybe even potentially bear some of that out in the pitch with the likes of Hudson and Doyle off the cheek, Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, maybe, and maybe those guys will get used. So I don't know if Abramovich is thinking of selling up, maybe for him, this makes business sense. It makes it a far more appealing investment for a smart buyer rather than he, somebody... by, by the way just, just while you're on that on, on investment and buying dave just just to let you know abramovich um his his price for chelsea is 2.25 billion and i told you a lie at the start that's not arsenal la dodgers is looking at as well it's actually tottenham right at 2.25 billion i think is unrealistic to say the least i agree um, i agree fully but at the same time i just think I think Chelsea have a real opportunity here. I think this could be a blessing in disguise for for their long-term future where they can change their model to something which is a bit more, I don't want to say modern, but it's sustainable. Would you, yeah. Dave, would, Dave, would you say that it's the, the, they're ripe for the picking for a new investor? Because at, at the moment, you know, which is what you're beginning to outline there, that's what it suggests, that's what it screams to me. Yeah, well, it could be. I think it could be. I think you know, there's there's enough there. I don't, but again, I don't know how sustainable the club is without without um, Abramovich subsidising it. I, I don't know. I don't. You know, the stadium is very small. They've, they've been the 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 the, the new stadium. Um, I don't know what sort of money's being being forked out on wages and things like that. But the plastic flags, Dave, you're leaving out the the plastic flags. Well, that's another (laughs) unnecessary cost, isn't it? That's probably eaten into the budget. I don't know. I just Sorry, I couldn't resist. (laughs) No, it's fine. It's fine. I think for next season, for next season, I think their squad's I think their squad's decent. I think their squad's actually in pretty decent shape. They've got experience at the back. You know, they've got Rudiger there, they've got Azpilicueta there, they've David Luiz still there, um, Alonso, I think Zuma's coming back, who they'll probably keep, who had a decent season last season. You know, they've still got Kante, the midfield has, I'm not sure, but, you know, and I think there's 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 goals up front, whatever way you look at it, and I think the players suit what we saw at, I think the players suit the type of style we saw Lampard try to implement at Derby last year. I think they lend itself quite well to that. So I think the squad that he has is built for him to a certain degree. I don't think it needs major overhaul stylistically. You know, he's, he's not got fucking Andy Carroll and Lee Catterbull running around. You know, he's got technical players in the middle of the park and Jorginho and Barkley and Kovacic. And, you know, he's got legs, he's got pace up front. And the bottom line is, for, for years, this Chelsea team has a history of playing when they want to and not playing when they don't want to. And I kind of get the feeling that they're going to want to play under Lampard. So I wouldn't be surprised if they had a pretty decent season. And they've experienced in there as well. You know, there's loads Dave, of guys oh, stop, 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 stop. We saw the same with United. You know what I mean? We saw the players wanting to play for Solskjaer and they went out and they did their business and then, boom, gone. 
No, there's loads and loads more wrong at United than there is at Chelsea. Well, for a start, their owners don't want rid of them. United's owners don't want rid of them. Um, I, I, I for, look honestly, if I look at it and look at it objectively, th- th- this Abramovich thing has been bubbling on for nearly twelve months now, and uh, you know he's a, he's basically at, you know war with the British government over over being excluded and so on. And, and I think honestly, if, I think he offered him one and a half billion, he'd, he'd run on. And, and I think the reason he's he's valuing at two point two five billion, it's West London real estate basically. I think that's and, and he has put a lot of money in. There's hotels, there's restaurants, you know, there's a whole complex I think around uh, Stamford Bridge these days. Um, so, but as I say, from from what I've read here about the investor, you know, they they much prefer Tottenham with the brand new stadium, so the stadium does come into it. But Abramovich, I don't think can afford to let this fester on much longer. You know, as I say, we're, we're pushing the 12 months mark. And I think, honestly, they have to be seen to be doing something to put themselves in the shop window, if that makes sense to you. It does make sense to me. But like I say, that you know, that the boom and bust strategy that's been used at Chelsea throughout his whole tenure and, you know, chucking massive amounts of money at, at, at player transfers and recycling manager after manager, Ancelotti after a, after fucking Mourinho's, after Avram Grants, after Rafa Benitez's and fucking Di Matteo's and interim managers here, there and everywhere and Gus Hiddings. And, you know, that's, that is not a sustainable model to be able to sell to a prospective investor. And there's models around now, particularly in Germany and now in England with the likes of, um, you know, Liverpool and City that have proven to be financially viable, profitable, and sustainable. So why would he not do it? It doesn't make it make it it makes total sense. And did you just say that Manchester City are profitable and sustainable? Did you did I, you just say that? Did you just say those words? Their model is sustainable. I'm not <laughs> saying right. what I'm not saying what they're doing, but there is there the Dave, their model is sustainable. It is. It is if, if you play within the rules, but they're yeah. clearly not. You know, yeah, the but they're not. They're not playing with. They're not playing within the rules. But you know, by all accounts, it is a sustainable model, and it's been built up to be slick and organised with regards to everything. It's the same as ours, except we don't have a fucking secret cash injection that's filtered through all kinds of funnels to get to. The point, the point I'm making: if you buy, if you buy, if you buy City for a pound tomorrow, as, as a man in the street, you'll be under in two years because the club's not going to make you money to sustain you. That depends what's on the books. <laughs> That's if you can ever see the books. <laughs> going down a dark hole here, but anyway, yeah, yeah well, I mean Chelsea's Chelsea's an interesting one. They, I mean, they, I agree with you, Dave. They, they probably will want to play under under Lampard. Uh, whether he has the know-how, whether he can keep them together, I think they'll struggle for goals myself. Um, I think, as I said, Hazard going, um, Batshuayi coming back could be interesting, but he's never really, um, you know, never really had a had a game for them. It's going to be. It's there's a few. I mean, there's a few. We're looking at our, you know, the traditional top six rivals or whatever over the next next few weeks. We looked at United last week. We're looking at Chelsea this week. Both of those two have a job on to finish in the top six this year, I would say, and I would not be surprised if, if neither of them managed it. Again, you know, you made the call about United last week, Neil, about finishing outside the top ten, which I subscribe to, and I can't disagree with what you just said there, even though it does seem a bit mad on it. I don't think it's mad at all. United finishing outside the top ten with their resources, that's, that's pretty mad. Well, maybe not outside the top ten, but certainly outside the top six. Oh, top six is a different matter. But it's um, but let's be honest, the Manchester United, it's kind of the same. If you're seventh, yeah. if you're ninth, if you're eleventh, it's kind of the same. But Chelsea as well. I mean, if they if they both finished out of the top six, I mean that would be the first time since certainly since the Abramovich era. In fact, before that, because Ranieri was regularly finishing top 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 four and certainly top six, and in fact, the Ali was as well. I'm sure. So um, you're going back a long, long way. Maybe even go back as far as Hula. Yeah. So that that would be that would be a whole generation of more of football. That would be like twenty, twenty two, twenty three years, uh, seasons of Premier League football. 
That would be that would be quite a shock. I mean, you remember when it was the big four in inverted commas? I mean, Chelsea and I were obviously two of those. You know, that would be quite a shake-up, and you could be... Well, well there's the Arsenal as well. There's Arsenal yes, as well. Arsenal, a lot of people talk about them. For me, Arsenal are probably, probably better placed than, than Chelsea, given the transfer ban, given the... I think I think they're worse. I think they're worse off than Chelsea, Chief. Yeah, it's definitely a debate. Like it's definitely an argument. I mean, there you could you could certainly make a case for it because they're not in great shape either. But there's Arsenal too. I mean, you you you're look you, you look at Wolves, you look at Leicester. I mean, there's got to be there's got to be a, you know can Watford make a push? They they were the next best last season, weren't they? West Ham or I th- West I think West Ham have a shout. I really like Pellegrini and they. They seem to have done good business in the market again, so I fancy them to do big things this year, West Ham. I mean, that could be really tasty. I mean, if, if the Chase and Pack could, could properly get their act together or continue the improvement that's been shown over the last few years and, and close the gap even more and, and, and get ahead, that could really shake things up. Because like, that, that yeah. needs to, to, to redress any kind of the balance. I mean, there's, the... The clubs that, that generally don't finish in the top four and top six need to start doing it so they can get some of the more of the money, you know, and and, and for and, and get uh, European money and all the rest of it. Like and and the knock on effect is that the other clubs, the the Uniteds and whatever, who who depend on that money for their sponsorship bonuses to kick in and whatever, don't get it. You know, it begins to redress slightly. For the first time in years, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that the top six is made up of Spurs, Liverpool, City, City. and then three others that are not Manchester United, Chelsea or Arsenal. Yeah. That I mean imagine that. Imagine you had like Leicester Wolves and Everton in sixth or West Ham in sixth and then Everton seventh. Yeah, <laughs> but but th- but this chasing pack as well, guys. They're starting to play with a head. It's not just throwing money uh, willy nilly at, at anything. You know, I, I look at the Wolves model, which I love. They've got a fantastic manager uh, in Espirito Santo. I, I really, I really rate this guy. You know, calm as you like, really good media presence, really good with his tactics. I think are makes the best of what he has. You know, look, Brendan Rodgers has a decent side there. There at Leicester, you know, we've all. I think we're all on board on that one. Leicester's, mo- Leicester's model as well, though, Dave. How well have they capitalised on that freak uh, absolutely, title absolutely. win? But this, but this is what I'm saying. They, they've, you know, after so many years of it being money, 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 you know, they sat down going, you know, if, we need, if we're to make a next step, we have to buy clever. And I think, you know, at the top end, we're doing it. But that next tier down... It certainly it, it feels if it's anything like last season, you know, there, there's there's a little group of us in City, and then you know, Tottenham probably are our, our, our third the third best team, but then the fourth one, it, it's open for debate, which is a wonderful thing. Guys, I'll tell you, see that fucking fella was is it Steve Walsh, the the boy was at Leicester went to Everton. What about anybody? Him? Is that his name? Whoever he is, that is his name. Yeah, that's his name. He was a, Since, wasn't he the chief scout or the director of football? Yeah, something like that. He dealt with the transfers and stuff. Since he left, how good has Leicester's transfer strategy been? It's been pretty much flawless. Mm, but they've certainly, like, don't get me wrong, they've certainly done the, the, the right things. And, you know, look, one way or the other, it looks pretty much like they're going to get 80 or 90 million into their coffers as well. I'm not suggesting they'll spend every penny of it. But I can, uh, one thing you know. I what an investment best, that's been. Yeah, exactly. What they buy them for? That's something like two or three million or something that they. No, it was, it was. Uh, was it was. I don't know. It was something. Stu- it was something. Something I, I scoffed at at the time, like twelve. Two or million three or million, something. you know. <laughs> no, it was twelve million or something. I was like, that's a ridiculous amount of money for him. No, no, we can agree that whoever buys him for eighty, ninety million, like, we'll, we'll have a giggle. But you know, at, at the end of the day, we're, we're talking about for, from a Leicester point of view, that is a wonderful cash windfall then to reinvest in, in the direction that you want to keep going. Yeah. So, yeah, in short, Chelsea could be in trouble. I think they'll be okay. I think they'll still get top four, to be honest. And Neil, yourself, where, where do you see Frank's Chelsea um, finishing up? Could go either way. I, You know, they've got the squad, as Dave says, to, to be all right and finish in the top four. Uh, I suppose it depends how good the best of the rest are. 
you know, I don't think he's... It's not that easy to finish fourth in the Premier League, especially not now. It's getting harder and harder. So I'm going to tip in the finish just outside and maybe come in fifth or, or something. But I think it's going to be a real struggle for them to get the top four. They might make it, but it's not going to be easy. Yep, I, I, I'm, I'm with you, Neil. I think if they get it, it'll be by the skin of their teeth. It's not beyond them, but um, I think it's, it's by the skin of their teeth. Listen, lads, I think we'll leave it there uh, for this week. And, and who, who will we talk about next week, then? I know you want to do Spurs. Why not? Uh, they've made a couple of nice signs and whatnot. First full season in a new stadium. That, that, that could be a good idea. Listen, lads, thanks very much for your time, as always. Always a pleasure talking to you. Sadly, we haven't anything juicy, really, to talk about. Hopefully, a week will make a difference. Um, just thanks very much again to the listener for listening. Uh, as I say, hopefully, the next one, we might have some good news, something to be excited about. But until then, up the unbearable European champion, Reds. 